Welcome to Ramblin' Rare, the podcast about rare diseases, the families they impact, and the scientists aiming to change the world through their work. I'm your co-host Randy Allen alongside with Nathan Vandenberg. Thanks for tuning in and let's get ready to ramble. Today's episode is a, a fun one. It's close to heart. It's about family and in, in particular siblings. You know, kind of on average in the in the US, there's uh, two kiddos per family and same goes with kind of special needs families. Um, and traditionally you have kind of in our world, you have some, some folks with kind of CCDS, uh, creatine, uh, cerebral creatine deficiency syndromes, and you have kind of your neurotypical. And, um, I'm lucky to have alongside as my co-host, kind of the, the resident expert, um, as a father of six, um, half with CTD and, and half neurotypical to really kick us off and talk about, um, our role as parents and, um, on to our role as parents for, for our neurotypical kids in particular. Um, so Nathan, tell us more. Yeah. Um, glad to be here again, uh, talking about siblings, uh, subject I hold pretty near and dear, like you said, um, statistically, uh, it, we, we got the perfect mix of, of three kids with CTD and three kids without. Um, so I love talking about the boys. Um, and today I think, I think think I'd like to hit on three big points um, that that my boys have taught me about siblings over the years. Um, the first of which being that uh, siblings are going to grow into their roles, uh, but we still have a responsibility to, to help equip them for that that task that they're going to um, be filling uh, throughout their lives. Also, our we've noticed that our neurotypical boys are mature, amazingly mature. Um, but we got to still make sure that they have those opportunities to be kids. Uh, the third one is my, it's going to get messy clause. And that is just that, uh, the, the boys will get annoyed with each other, just like any brothers will. Um, and, and to kind of go with that and let that happen. I mean, within the bounds of responsibility and then a bonus, cause it's always, it's always good to get an extra free bonus. And that's that, um, the, the CTD bo- boys they'll share a, a special bond with their siblings and I'll I'll get more into that a little bit as well. Awesome. Now this is um yeah, I I love kind of point three especially is kind of uh letting it be messy and understanding that, you know, everybody gets annoyed with everybody, let alone um, you know, whether your whatever your genetic makeup is. Um but you know kind of be first you before you talk about your kiddos, um I think your introduction into um, special needs actually predates them, and but it actually does begin with your wife. Uh, I'd love to hear about um, your wife's sibling. It, it sounds like you know that was kind of your introduction into someone with exceptional needs. You know, and, and c- can you touch a little bit on on your um, initial introduction to, to special needs siblings? Yeah, um, that's a that's a great segue and. Really, I prior to meeting my wife, I had no experience um, or very limited, I'll say, experience in interacting with a whole lot of people with uh, exceptional needs beyond like the classroom and everyday community interactions. And um, when I met my wife, um, I was in my very early 20s and um, 
going through all the the usual uh getting to know her and everything uh and she told me about her brother a little bit didn't really think much of it because obviously i was distracted by her and um time came to go meet her parents which i was pretty nervous about and there i walk into her house and they're sitting at the table um is her brother's slightly older than her and uh and he's got a lot of the same challenges as my boys have um so i, I walk in and and his his some of his skills are rather limited and uh and he's got cars laid out on the table and he's lining them up and that was that was the coolest thing and and for whatever reason that along with the, the interactions i saw between him and my wife immediately um it it really was my entryway into a new world, but the, the, the way it segued was just really, really cool. Um, and, and really comfortable. Well, and I, you've told me this offline and I've certainly experienced it as a father, but you know, there's times where obviously I forget that my son Lucas is different. Um, he's just my son. And, um, and I see that same thing with my, my, his, his older brother and, and the way they interact. It's, um, it's it's normal, and you kind of shared that um, it was it was no different with your with your wife, your girlfriend at the time, to interact with her brother. And I think that's one of the neatest things, and one of our most important jobs is how do we ensure that um, this is this is normal to them, and it can be super special, and probably I, I would say even um, exceptionally special when they look back on it. So. Um, it, it kind of set the tone for you to be uh, kind of a great parent to um, obviously both kind of CTD kiddos and also neurotypical kiddos. Um, but I'd love to hear you talk more about um, equipping them for the task at hand as kind of how your, your wife, Jennifer was equipped for the task with her brother. Yeah. I think um, starting out just kind of passively learning how to, to deal with kids and how to, to nurture them and, and really help share their journey. I think passively, I really learned a lot from Jennifer and just seeing those, those normal interactions. Um, like everything was just, it, it wasn't, it was never ever. And it never has been, Oh, that's my brother. He has, or that's my brother in some kind of explanation. It was always just, no, that's just, that's, that's Jason. Um, and it moved on. And without knowing it, I think I began to realize that um, it was our responsibility to really to to grow our kids in the same way, especially when we realized um, pretty early on that that Elijah was going to have some challenges and and Elijah was only 18 months younger than John. Um, and we knew pretty early on, too, that John was neurotypical. So. We, we really saw that, OK, well we we set the example for how the boys are going to treat their siblings so the the one thing that jennifer again taught me a lot was from an early age she would talk to the boys um even even in their infancy talk to them as as if they're full-grown normal people not in a harsh way but but explaining things here i'm doing this and i'm doing that and letting them in on the conversation and i think that was really the step in the door to really um, starting to equip them that, okay, you're a valuable member of this, this larger and bigger team um, mm -hmm. that we're, that we're trying to grow here. 
Well, and, and just to give the audience some context, I mean, obviously some people know you, but I, I'd say most of them don't, um, you know, share a little bit more. It's, you have six boys. What, what are the age differences? Um, just to get a little context to the audience. Okay. Well, um, the ages are the, my oldest is John. He's just turned 16 or just a little over 16. Um, and then going down in age in John's neurotypical and then going down in age is Elijah. He has CTD. Um, and Elijah's 14 getting ready to be 15. So that's, that's crazy to even think about. Mm -hmm. Um, and then after Elijah, we had Isaac, and Isaac is getting ready to go on to, to 14 pretty soon, but he's a little bit younger. Um, and then you've got um, Christopher, and then before Christopher was uh, Simon and Ezra. And for the most part, all the boys were right at about 18 months apart, um, with the exception of Ezra and Simon they're only 11 months apart so that that age spread is it's close, but it's not, not overly close except maybe for Ezra and Simon. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, uh, I can only imagine what it was like to have every, to have six boys under the age of 10. Um, busy, busy household. Yeah. It, it, it was a bit of a blur, but <laughs> even, even when the boys were young, um, because you figure when Elijah's, big seizures really started when he was seven. So that's when we saw a lot of the first, our introduction to ambulances, I call it. Um, and so his brother, younger brothers were quite a bit younger. Um, the ones that were born at that time. And that's when we really, I, that, that whole equipping them for the task really started. Um, I mean, an ambulance would come and they would look to us for what can I do? And instead of, I'll admit the kind of the natural dad thing of saying, okay, just step aside because we got to take care of this. I mean, it was a pretty serious situation. I made the conscious effort to say, no, okay, you can go do this and you can go do this and kind of directing out small tasks that they could do. Um, so they could feel like they were contributing and they really were contributing. So it, I think that's important. Yeah, no. And it's, um, one of the things that I've done with with um, my oldest, and he's seven, neurotypical, or he'll be seven this fall, um, is as he gets older, being really honest about um, Lucas's condition. You know, it's, you know, Lucas's body produces something called creatine, and creatine's needed to give energy to certain parts of your body, muscles and organs. And once it gets all the way to his brain, he doesn't have the right kind of genetic credentials to allow, to allow it in. Okay. You know, so like my, my older son is starting to understand, um, truly what's, what's going on with Lucas. So then he is able to kind of, you know, he's not kind of compelled to, to jump in places, but he feels responsible to, to support mom and dad. And he likes it. He, you know, I, I think, yeah, I, I've heard you tell the story about, you know, kind of like an air traffic controller directing the ambulance where to go and, you know, t you know, your eight year old telling, um, the, the paramedics, um, what's going on. Like they, they, they don't do it out of, um, <clears throat> kind of, they, they feel like they have to, but it's like, they feel like it's their responsibility and they want to. And I think that's, uh, the, the more honest we can be as parents with our neurotypical kiddos about what's going on. Um, they get the ability to, to be responsible and, um, help be a part of, 
kind of really supporting the family through um, what could be some kind of some challenging moments. Yeah, I, I think you hit it right on the head is that, um, I mean, they're learning and growing too. Um, I think I have very similar, and we haven't even talked about this before, but I've got very similar situations that happen with, with the boys as we teach them about CTD. We've always been really upfront and honest about some of the symptoms, whether it's the seizures or the, the intellectual disability or the, 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 the lack of speech. Um, but we'll talk about it. And out of the blue, some days they'll just be like, Hey dad, I was thinking about this. And does their condition affect their brains in this way? And just a random, like kind of neurological question just out of the blue. And I think that's so awesome. Cause it tells me that just like, like you and me probably are, they're always on that same journey of discovery. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I, um, I think I've told you this offline, but one of my, um, dear friends from growing up. I mean, I, I met him when I was 13 and we're still friends of this day. Um, I always wondered why he was so, he was such a great friend and a dear friend and always curious and compassionate. Um, and he, he has a little brother who has, um, unique needs and, you know, obviously it, it forced him to grow up fast and stand up for his brother and look out for his brother. Um, but it also, I think, gave him tremendous perspective about life and what's most important. Um, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, you, you, I think you ask 10 people what's most important, you're going to get a vast majority to say it's family. And I think it's um, just what a gift um, our CTD kiddos are to our neurotypical kiddos um, because we do equip them with the task at hand to be responsible at a young age. But I think it goes to your second point is how do you do that while still giving him, them the uh, – the freedom, liberty, and um, the the gosh, the the opportunity to be a kid. So I, I'd love to hear you kind of talk about how you know your kids at eight years old were directing the paramedics, but how were they also uh, kind of playing in the dirt and and you know playing sports with their friends and playing video games and being a kind of a, a normal everyday kiddo? Yeah, that's that's another great point too. Um, in that. I think it took a conscious effort. It it would have been especially with Elijah and Ezra or Elijah and John, sorry, being so close together. Um, and Elijah, especially at a young age, um, he was a he was a handful. I'll I'll say. Um, in all honesty, he had a lot of a lot of sleep issues. He didn't sleep very much, but he did scream a lot. Um, and he had, he had just a lot of things. So naturally that focus drew it drew us to him but we saw i mean john was our oldest so we we had to make that conscious effort to whether it was little things bacon cookies or or what have you just pulling him in with those spare moments we could um to make sure that in, in those really young years that that he had the nurturing from us but that kind of grew into um us giving them the opportunities to be kids as well with my boys in particular. Uh, we, we ask them to come help us in the house sometimes, but we also understand when, Hey, if they're back in their room playing video games or hanging out with their friends, that's cool. We're going to leave you alone for that. Um, also setting up some unique opportunities. The boys really like ATVs. They like motorcycles. Um, they like outdoor sports and camping and, while we try as much, much as we can to do that as all as a family and we 
we're getting better at doing it with everybody. It's being able to rearrange things and fix things so that they can get out there and do that regardless of who goes. So even if everybody can't go, we don't cancel the trip because Simon's not feeling well. We still make sure whoever can get out there really gets out there and has a good time. And, and we make those memories. Gosh. Yeah. I mean, I, um, I got one of those updates on my iPhone that says, Hey, you know, this is, uh, your trip. Um, and it puts the music to it. And it was a, a trip of our family. We went to the beach, you know, three years ago before my son was diagnosed. So obviously he had the condition before he was diagnosed. It, the, the diagnosis didn't cause it or, or create it. And we were out there on the beach. We were having fun. Um, you know, and at the time, obviously we knew something different was going on with Lucas, but we weren't sure what it was. Um, but it didn't stop us from creating these memories and allowing our other, you know, our, his older brother to, to, to play on the beach and build sandcastles. And I think, you know, looking back, if I'm honest with myself, it's, I think we certainly have kind of put a governor on, on these types of events and I need to remove it. You know, I, I need to ensure that, you know, we're not just allowing, um, uh, our neurotypical kids to still be kids we got to do the same with, with everybody and creating those memories and understanding going back to our original podcast is, Hey, it's we're, the, the vacation will eventually end. The, the hard days will eventually will all go to bed and sleep it off. But we need to go out of our way to ensure that we're creating these memories and allowing both to kind of uh, have these awesome memories of being a kiddo. So that was, um, gosh, uh, Thank you for sharing that because it reminded me that with this this iPhone memory that came up, man, we I, I gotta go out of my way to create these memories because the, the the path of least resistance is to do something that's easy. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And uh, and and one thing we say at, at work a lot is is a lack of action is still an action. Um, and I kind of apply that to the family as well. A lack of a memory can still be a memory. I mean, if if we let ourselves kind of get pulled into that inaction and we're just going to stick close to home, that's going to be the memory that the, the boys carry with them. And, um, and, and kind of just going off of that a little bit, it's funny because um, we recently last year got a, a newer RV to be able to do bigger and better adventures. I decided to do that, to, that that was the move we needed to make when Simon was in the intensive care unit of the hospital. Wow. Um, with some of his seizures because it just that time away that he was away from his brothers and his brothers were away from his mom really hit me that we need to, we need to get moving on this stuff. It's going to pass us by if we don't. Yeah. And I mean, I, I like, I, I need to reinforce that lack of action is still an action. Yeah, exactly. And, and, uh, not making a memory will still make a memory in your kids. I yeah. Mean, well, they'll remember yeah. it. Golly gee. No, that's a nice little life lesson there, Nathan. I, I'm going <laughs> to, uh, I'm going to use that one from now on. I'll, uh, I'll try to attribute it to you, but uh, I, I might take credit for it a couple of times here and there. Um, well, and I, you know, I think this is a good little kind of segue to, um, you know, the siblings and families and creating memories. And you kind of shared how, um, you know, Elijah was loud and had some kind of sleeping challenges and you really had to go out of your way to make sure John had the, the childhood and like, but like at the same time, how do you allow, how do you allow boys to be boys or siblings to be siblings? Um, you know, 
tell us more what you mean by allowing it to be messy. Yeah, um, I, I guess the best way to start that off is a kind of a, a thing that happened. Again, we we're talking about camping, a camping trip that we did just last year towards the fall um, where I got my 16-year-old because he is so much like me. He does drink coffee. And um, I'd ordered us um, some Grubhub and gotten us each a coffee. And he was sitting with Elijah at the kitchen uh, kitchen table, and Elijah took his cup of coffee and uh, threw it across the room. Um, and he was really looking forward to it. And, I mean, I'll give myself a little bit of credit. I was really cool about it. Usually I would would have the old old pre-kids me if I would think if my child would have thrown a full cup of coffee across the brand new RV I probably would have gotten upset but I just realized it was what it was and but John got really upset um I mean not to the point where he was doing anything bad you could just tell he was super frustrated and um and at first he tried really getting apologizing for that frustration but i realized that that no i'm like no don't don't apologize for that you can be frustrated with elijah this can get hard and so i i let him work through that frustration and it's it's kind of what we allow for all the boys i mean i can't tell you how many times one of the boys has come through the living room with a a school project they've been working on and one of their brothers with ctd will just grab it and it'll break. And I, I watch the boys' hearts break. And I think the biggest thing is, is you just, you've got to encourage them to get through that because it's, it's all, I think, part of the process. Well, um, and thinking about it, like that's life. I mean, eventually yeah. their, their hearts are going to get broken by something, you know, whether it's a, you know, a relationship you're in that suddenly ends or, um, a project you work on at school that you get a, you know, a, a bad mark on or, something you do in work and you give it your all and y- you fail and it doesn't come to fruition. So, I mean, n- not excusing these things, but you know, we're, we're kind of speeding them up, but it's okay to be mad at it. It's okay to get upset. It's okay to, um, kind of express your, your anger or displeasure. Um, you know, uh, it's my, my youngest is a, is a hair puller. He, um, oh, yeah. he's a hair puller and, uh, you know, I can see him, looking at hair and kind of going, okay, like in his mind, this is what I, I see him saying is I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Daddy tells me to be gentle, but it looks so good. And then he pulls it and he gets, you know, it's hard for him to let go. And, um, allowing my, my older son to, to get upset about that. I mean, no one likes to get their hair pulled. Um, and cause it'd be before it was like, you know, we tried, uh, we really tried to get, um, and obviously we want, we don't want it to happen, but we, we, we tried to kind of I think make it right. Um, and now we've really allowed everybody to kind of feel their feelings and we're working on solutions. And the neat thing is, is my oldest son is, uh, you know, we're, we're trying to teach him to be gentle and, and kind of pat it and, and pet it a little bit more. And he does a good job of it, but sometimes obviously he gets the urge to pull, but my oldest will now be a part of that is he understands that you know, I'm going to let Lucas pat it, but he might pull it. And he's able to kind of respond differently when he feels like he's a part of the process versus, um, you know, kind of an innocent bystander. And it's, um, it's, it's never ending. You know, it's not like we kind of cross the Rubicon and kind of go, okay, you know, no one's going to annoy each other anymore. Um, you know, even, you know, I, I have four older sisters. Gosh, I mean, I saw them get annoyed with each other all the time by 
somebody stealing somebody's blouse or, you know, borrowing someone's shoes without asking. Um, and the same goes with, with our families, you know, whether you're neurotypical or, or with CTD. And I think you, you hit it on the head is you got to allow it to be messy. Um, and understand that it's going to be probably messier than, than most, but these are all lessons that everybody can learn. And, um, these are just siblings being siblings. Yeah. And I think, I think if there's one thing that's helped us or one, one nugget kind of that's helped us to equip the kids on that, that angle is to remind them and impress upon them that it's that action. Um, kind of like, like you're talking about some behaviors. Um, Simon is a iPad swinger and he'll swing the iPad or he'll throw it and it'll catch one of us sometimes, whether it's in the face or the head and it hurts. And we try to impress that. Yeah, that action, that hurt, that action, that's not a good thing. That sucks. And that's okay for you to get mad at. Um, but that action is not your brother. Um, so get mad at the action, be upset, be annoyed, be frustrated. And, uh, and they've done beautifully at that. They have really been able to kind of separate the action from the person. And I, I think that's extremely valuable. Oh, I mean, like, yeah, it's the behavior action versus the person. I mean, that that's, those are, these are life lessons for everybody here. Note that, you know, and this is, I think, something we could all use in society. It's um, it's okay to judge behaviors, um, especially, you know, in a family of CTD. It's it's not okay to judge the the person. Um, and I think that guy, what a, what a great um, piece of discernment right there. That was awesome. Um, and, you know, and, and kind of, you know, I think we could go on forever, but I would love to hear that your little bonus, you got me kind of, uh, you kind of teased me at the beginning. I didn't know we were going to talk about this, but... Would love to hear um, kind of your, your your plus one, your bonus about kind of siblings kind of sharing this special bond. So tell us more. Yeah, um, I thought of this one kind of at the tail end of uh, of kind of coming up. But what what do I share? I mean, what's what what have I gleaned? And from the beginning, kind of like even from the beginning of our conversation, talking about my wife Jennifer and her brother Jason and their interactions that I've seen. Um, and then watching all the brothers, I mean, no matter which pair it is or which three it is or who it is, they share this uniquely awesome bond. Um, and, but especially with the, the boys with CTD, um, my boys in particular, they're, they're nonverbal. Um, they communicate a little bit with, with their iPads, but in a big portion is nonverbal, but they can understand each other. Um, and they can get, they could just like the other boys, they can get annoyed by each other. Um, they can get frustrated by each other. Uh, they'll cause each other tears, but they have this bond. Um, and they have this connection that it's, it's a little hard. We I will never understand it. I don't get let into that. I don't have admission to that club. Um, I don't, I, I think I speak their language pretty well. Uh, and I think I have over time, but I, I, I can't understand exactly how it is that they can connect to each other so well. And, um, 
that doesn't mean that it doesn't exist at all. It does completely. It's just something that they get to have that's super awesome that is a little bit tainted with a little bit of a, a, a little bit of sadness because I don't get to I don't get to be in that. But that's a good thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, and um, it's interesting. But you just even last night I was at kind of parents' night for for Lucas's um, kindergarten his special needs class, and just even seeing his relationship uh there were some parents there without kids and some parents who couldn't get kind of coverage uh, brought them and i was one who I, I brought lucas and i got to see him interact with other kids who have kind of you know exceptional needs and it's a different look on his face and it's a different way he smiles and he hears people's names and looks at them it's different than the way he um interacts with you know myself or my or his mom and his brother and it's just it's neat to know that um that they do have this special bond with with others who need kind of uh you know it, it, who have except, exceptional needs, but also um with um w- with their siblings. Like when when I see him and Jack truly connect, gosh, it's 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 neat. I mean, smiles on both their faces. They're both having fun. They're both being kiddos, and everything dis- disappears. It's uh it's it's really really neat. And you know, and w- whatever your um whatever your belief is on kind of why, you know, uh, why, do, why, why do you have a, a kiddo with special needs? Gosh, how would, how would the universe or God or whatever you call it, wherever you kind of refer to it as, why would they do this to, to me or to him? Um, I, I would just say, gosh, Lucas is such a gift to all those who are around him. And, um, you know, I, I not, not trying to rationalize anything, but I, I think he, he knows, he knows why he's here, and I think he is giving more of life uh, to other folks than than we could ever give to him. And it's a uh, it's a special thing when you're able to kind of be an outsider or observer and see that bond that he is able to create with people around him. Because um, I, I I truly believe it's life changing, and it's uh it's pretty remarkable to see. Yeah, I that that's such a great point um, and such a great observation. I really. And I'll, I'll be completely honest. We get that all the time um, from the, oh, I'm so sorry to, I can't believe this happened to you. And and honestly, I just dismiss it for the most part at this point. Oh, yeah. Um, because I, the boys, the, the boys with CTD and their brothers, it, they bring such a light into our lives and they, they energize us. Yeah. Um, in a way, I, I feel like I kind of cracked this code on happiness that's extremely hard to crack yeah. and it, it, it takes a lot of work and it takes some dedication, but I feel like I'm the one that's lucky and everybody else is kind of missing out on oh something my gosh. because we get something so special and not just a little of it. We get tons of it. And I mean, just in all the different facets of our lives, it's touched everything. And, um, and, and we're just, we're, we're so glad to be, where we are with the family that we're sharing it with. You're here. No, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. It's uh it's so cliche to, I used to think it was cliche when people like, Oh, it's such a blessing, but it truly is. I mean, it's like for us, it's been, you know, what, what, what a, a wonderful gift he's given us. So good stuff. Any, any well, kind of a final parting thoughts from your end, Nathan? Uh, final parting thoughts as um, our oldest has, has, He's only 16, but he's just gone away to school, um, and we've kind of seen the the 
what happens when when one of the siblings um, kind of sets out on their own. Um, I'll tell you, just just hold on to what you can while you can, because um, these kiddos are going to go on and do great and wonderful things, just amazing things, and just um, just cherish the time that that you get to have them in your care and be be learning from them and um, and taking the journey so close together. Love it. Enjoy it. Enjoy it while you can and make the most memories. Well, um, kind of in, um, in summary, I'd love to share, um, you know, allow your siblings to kind of grow into their roles, but it's our responsibility to kind of give them, um, equip them for the task. Number two, um, we also have to go out of our way to do the, do the opposite is to understand that. Yes, we need to equip them to be, um, siblings to special needs kiddos, but we need to make sure that they're, they're having a, an everyday childhood as well. And then third, um, allow it to be messy, embrace the messiness. Um, it's going to get messy. So you might as well embrace it. And then the bonus is there's a special bond, um, between, uh, the, the, the kiddos. And honestly, it's not just the siblings, but it's with anybody who really spends a ton of time with them, whether it's family, friends, teachers, um, recognize that special bond and allow it to flourish. It's, um, it's really, really cool. And obviously as a parent of a special needs kid, I have a special bond with Lucas, but it's really neat to see, uh, to see him create that similar bond with others. So Nathan, another awesome little, um, little session with you. Looking forward to the next one. Yeah, it's been great talking again. And um, I, I feel like I feel like this is so easy because these are uh, this is just our everyday. So love doing it. Great opportunity. Beautiful. Well, everybody out there, sit tight. We will have a new uh, episode here in the uh, coming weeks. And we're going to get on a, a little more frequent cadence as we uh, as we roll out Ramblin' Rare. So until then, until next time. Keep on keeping on.